You are listening to the Testudo Times Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Testudo Times Weekly Podcast. Matt Levine and Lila Bromberg here with you. And we'll be recapping Maryland's first game of the season against Northwestern. Some big news around the Big Ten regarding some COVID-19 issues and some injury issues. And then we'll get to a preview of this week's Week 2 game, a Friday night game against Minnesota. But first, Lila, we'll go to Northwestern. We'll recap that game. And it was one where I think we're both pretty shocked at what happened here. You know, if I'd be completely honest, I have no clue what Madness is going to go on in the Big Ten West this year. Um, I think that, like, you know what you're going to expect in the Big Ten East, at least with most teams. Maybe Rutgers disprove that, but um, I, I don't know. I don't know if it was that Maryland was really bad or Northwestern was good. I don't know if it was just that Northwestern is a much better team than we realized, um, or if this is really indicative of the Terps. If I'm being completely honest, I think it's a combination between the two. I think that when, when you have a team with 57 new players, um, so many new freshmen, 39 freshmen, Coach Loxley said that 10 true freshmen saw time in that game and 20 players who had never played in a collegiate game saw action. So this is a very new group. And, I, and you also have to factor in like they didn't have um, the offensive uh, coordinators info and things like that. I mean, we'll get into all that, but basically what I'm trying to say is like, I think that it wasn't indicative of what we're going to see for Maryland this season. Um, and it definitely was not pretty. Yeah. And in uh, availability on Monday, coach Loxley said that this isn't what Maryland is going to do for the rest of the season. He said, you know, this isn't a glimpse of what kind of team we are. Um, they went down pretty early seemed like it was – I think it was 14-3 after the first Northwestern two drives. And Maryland's first drive looked pretty crisp. Um, Tug of Iloa came out, marched down the field, and they got a field goal. And they looked pretty promising. But from then on, there was little to no offense and movement after that. Um, but I think that was a combination of playing from behind and trying to do too many things. And especially with so many new guys on that roster – a playmaker like Jay Sean Jones coming back, Jake Funk coming back, just so many guys that have kind of their own mindset to make a huge play and turn the game around. But when you're trailing by that much, you got to chip away slightly. And I think that costs them. They probably could have put up a little bit more points than three and have some better drives than just three and outs or turnovers and things like that. Just by calming themselves down and, taking it drive-by-drive, play-by-play, instead of just going for a huge play, throwing the ball into triple coverage and turning it over. Yeah, I mean, so I think you have to consider the situation for Leah, right, uh, which is, you know, the name that he goes by. You know, it's his first collegiate start, and I think he's especially in a unique situation because, you know, he's the brother of, of Tua Tungavailoa, right? There's a lot of expectation that comes with that. He came into this with a lot of expectations. He is, you know, Maryland's best quarterback talent in years. And I honestly think the pressure was there. Like Loxley was saying, they looked so good on that play, but he felt like this need to make a big play, um, like you said. And all of those turnovers um, were pretty much on, like all the interceptions were on deep balls, 
more deep balls than we would almost ever see Maryland uh, throw last year. And I love having the deep ball. I think that though he got like a bit nervous at times and kind of just wasn't reading the field. But I mean, you heard the way Loxley talked about this guy. He's, you know, he said he studies like some of the greatest quarterbacks he's been around. Um, just having seen Leah's high school tape and just from some things I've heard, like I think that he's going to be a lot better. Yeah, I mean, I think you can't really get much worse than that, but it's it's inevitable that he's going to be a lot better um, just by what kind of prospect he was, who he learned from at Alabama and now here, where Coach Locks has had some of the best quarterbacks in recent years. Jalen Hurts, Tua Tagovailoa, just to name a few. And I think that Leah is going to be – I'm not going to say he's going to be as good as them and eventually become a first-round draft pick, but he's going to be a lot better than what he put on the field this week. I think once he gets those nerves out, which he probably did, he'll come in this week, first game in College Park. And now it's kind of the pressure. The pressure is off a little bit more that he got his first game out of the way. Uh, I think that's important. But I think he's certainly going to be a lot better, and Coach Loxley said that as well. Right. And speaking of pressure, I mean, one positive that I noticed for the game and at least towards the beginning, um, I didn't notice that much of a difference later on just because the offense was not great. Um, And I was kind of focusing on the game or two a little bit. So I wasn't seeing the intricacies of each play. But I mean, if you look at even on those interceptions in some plays, like you saw Leah get time that you would never see Josh Jackson get last year. Like the offensive line, to my shock, looked improved. And, you know, it wasn't a dramatic difference, but he actually had time to work in the pocket. And you could also see just his footwork in the pocket where he was really able to find his own space and get around guys where, you know, a lot of Maryland's, you look like at a guy like Josh Jackson, it's kind of, there's not a lot of movement there. He was always getting, you know, rushed by D linemen and, you do have a lot of new guys on the offensive line. You've guys who've gained experience. You've Johnny Jordan back. And I thought that looked, you know, a bit better. And we'll have to see how that looks this week um, and moving on. But it did look a little bit improved to me, which I said from the beginning was going to be the biggest key for Maryland this year. Though I didn't expect that there to be this much trouble with the defense. Did you? Um, I didn't think they were going to let up 43 points. And I, I certainly didn't think that. But if you break it down, just – sort of more than the score you just watching that game noticed like they missed so many tackles so many like and you could see on some plays it was like towards end they were just giving up on it and you know Loxley said that he said they weren't playing up to this program standards yeah he he said that about yeah he said that in availability them not playing up to the standards they did in practice things like that but this defense has a lot more skill than it showed um, obviously Chance Campbell, one of the linebackers, had a great game. Um, and Ande Ile had a decent game. He could be a lot better. He has the, he has the leadership there. Um, we know that. And Nick Cross, I think, could have been a lot better uh, covering the deep ball. But Northwestern ran some different things. They ran the ball a lot. They, they threw. It was kind of a mix of everything. And they play at a fast pace, which Minnesota – plays at a much slower pace. So that could possibly help Maryland's defense this week coming into Minnesota. But just Northwestern being able to change it up so many times and run some things, no huddle offense, things like that, just 
playing quick. Um, Maryland's young defense couldn't really keep up, and they were missing a lot of tackles. And when you can't tackle, it sounds simple, but when you can't tackle, you're not going to win a football game. And just fixing that, it sounds simple, but Ayinde Ile said in a media availability this week, earlier in the week, that everything they saw on tape was fixable for their defensive struggles. And I think that's a major, major part of breaking down the film saying, oh, we could fix this. And maybe they will fix that coming into Minnesota. Yeah, Minnesota, and- a much higher skilled offense than Northwestern, but they just play a little bit differently. Yeah, I mean, so I think that, like, I get it, right? Like, there's not a pretty history with Maryland football in recent years. But I think, like, if you're a reporter for his team, you can see the inner workings of how this program is starting to turn around, especially someone like me who's been covering this team for four years is, you know, constantly talking with alumni about what they think about the state of the program and things like that. And I think you really have to consider the circumstances of this first game. Now, I'm not saying that I think Maryland is going to win a ton of games this year. You know, I, I see them winning anywhere from, you know, three to four at this point um, because I thought Northwestern was going to be a win. But they're on the right path of development. I don't think that this loss kind of speaks to how bad it's going to be in terms of a scoring margin um, all year. You have to realize with all the new players that we mentioned, like there's nerves there for your first college game. You know, you have all these factors of there not being a lot of time to prepare for the season there is no spring camp right like we're in the middle of a COVID pandemic there's just so many different factors I think um and then you also have to think about like I said the, the new players it's it's going to take some time to adjust especially when you lose a guy like Antoine Brooks Jr. you lose a guy like Keandre Jones um you know losing Isaiah Davis as well um and I really think, like you said, you know, Ayinde Ely and, and Chance are going to be uh, those leading linebackers. But you're right. They allowed the run, and there are a lot of, you know, as Loxley was talking about, they're leaving a lot of gaps in defense. And that's something that they're definitely going to need to improve. Um, and just one more thing. I think I asked Loxley leading up to that game, like, how are you guys preparing? Because they're facing a Northwestern team with, with a new quarterback and a new offensive coordinator that hadn't played a single game yet, you know? Um, normally the first game of the season, you're playing not a great team. Um, you know, like you don't need to, you're obviously going to watch their film, but like the focus is more on you. Right. And so, you know, you have to realize that they're playing a game with no film and it's offense. that looks completely different from the year before. Yeah. That's, that's that said, there's a lot of missed tackles and a lot that needs to be improved. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's definitely the toughest part is not knowing what, not knowing as best as they possibly can what what Northwestern was going to bring out. Like you said, you know, they play usually a team that's not great in the first week. Obviously, they had Texas a couple years ago twice, and they had Navy even a decade ago. But playing Howard last year, Maryland probably only used – like Maryland probably used less than than half of its playbook that game, and they still won 79-0 because just teams like that that – they're not going to keep up with Maryland at all. So you don't, you're right. You don't have to watch that film as well as you would have to watch a big 10 opponent. Um, But just having that new offensive coordinator and new quarterback in Peyton Ramsey, it's tough to try and break down having not seen a game played with these two, what they're going to come out and bring. And that's more of adjusting on the fly, which Maryland still struggled with, but I think it just comes down to, 
mechanical things like finishing tackles and just sort of figuring out how to fill those gaps because you saw so many passes in that game that were just wide open and so many holes for guys to run through like it was yeah I don't know the exact number but the yardage after catching the ball must have been extremely high for Northwestern just because they were so wide open they'd catch it and they'd have five to ten yards to run with um, before getting hit and when they would get hit they wouldn't even go down because the tackles weren't being finished so just mechanically fixing that which again AC Lay said they can fix that I think that's important being able to fix your issues and noticing your issues um, and a guy like that a leader on this team figuring that out can translate that to the rest of the guys on the defense right I don't think it's going to happen right away with the defense I think with the offense you have so many pieces that I think once Leah gets in his rhythm and if the O-line can perform like it like it did um, or even you know you can assume they're going to continue to improve like I'm not that worried about the offense um, it's really the defense that worries me right now and I don't know if that is going to immediately get better I think that's going to be something that we're going to see more progressing over the season um, I think that you know just with all the changes, all the people lost, like it's going to take time for these new guys to adjust and, and everyone to mesh. Um, so, uh, you know, we'll see. I, I don't think it's going to be great against a team like Minnesota with just the offensive uh, firepower they have. But all you can ask is to – not all you can ask, but like there needs to be some improvement on actually making the effort to finish those tackles because there are way too many plays where it just didn't seem like they were trying. They were getting tormented pretty much everywhere because the holes that they had translates to bad leverage on tackling and falling behind it. When the defender falls behind an offensive player, it's hard to tackle them from behind with that much speed that the offensive player is gaining. So, yeah, it starts with limiting those holes and deflecting more passes, breaking up more passes, stopping a run after two or three yards and not letting them get six or seven yards because then it's already – if that's a first-down play, it's already second and three. And then what? Percentage there is pretty high for the offense to convert with three more chances. So I think it all starts with limiting those holes on defense and trying to read a play before it happens. And obviously that will be a lot easier with some tape on guys. And Maryland played Minnesota last year. So I think they have that film and they have... Yeah, they've played them for five straight seasons. This is the fifth straight game, I believe. Exactly. And a team like Northwestern, Maryland's not very familiar with. And they have a new quarterback and new offensive coordinator. Oh, yeah. My so, friends who cover Northwestern, like, had, hadn't ever seen, like, Northwestern's offense look like that. Like, they were in shock. Um, yeah. But I think regardless, I, a lot needs to improve defensively. Um, yeah. and, and you mentioned kind of the Minnesota, but before we get into that... There's, you know, some big news uh, over the last day or two in the Big Ten. Um, Maryland does not play Wisconsin this year, but just some big news for for the Big Ten as a whole in the Big Ten West. Um, Wisconsin is now on to its fourth-string quarterback. So they started the season, and two-year starter uh, Jack Cohn suffered a foot injury in the fall. He had surgery October 6th, and I believe he's expected to be out for the rest of the season. And then they had Graham Mertz play. Uh, for first week, he was really, really good. Um, 
people were like saying he was a dark horse Heisman candidate, which I, I didn't really believe, but he, he was getting a lot of hype. Um, and he has tested positive twice for COVID and per the Big Ten uh, protocols that they established, uh, he's going to have to sit out 21 days. So that's three games. Um, and his backup, Chase Wolf, has also tested positive. Uh, there needs to be another reported positive test and confirmation, but he was not in practice uh, uh, on Tuesday. You know, so that's going to leave them with fourth stringer, redshirt junior, Danny Vandenboom, which is a great game. But, you know, that just shows you how quickly COVID can take down a team and the, a team and the impact that might have on the Big Ten this year. Yeah, I mean, we saw it with all these professional sports that kicked off, specifically the MLB. Um, you had Juan Soto. Oh, we can't mention that from last night. That was a disaster. Well, yeah, I was going to get to that. You had Juan <laughs> Soto, one of the biggest stars in the MLB, test positive the day of opening day. And everybody thought, oh, boy, maybe they'll shut down the season. And then Tuesday night, the Dodgers win the World Series. Justin Turner is taken off the field. He actually tested positive before the game, but they found out, I believe, in the second inning. Um, and then they had to pull him out of the game. And then he was still on the field because he and the Dodgers insisted for when they were taking pictures and celebrating with the trophy, he went back on the field. So, And had his mask off. <laughs> yeah, this is, it, it's really unprecedented. And it's, it's obviously harder on a college campus just because of how centralized it can get with how many people I there mean, are. but they're all online. Like, let's be honest. I think that it's like – yeah, but even when you go out to get something. Yeah, no, I, I think it depends on how safe the team is. I think it's a risk and then like you're going to see like teams that are smart about it and teams that aren't, you know, you saw it in the NFL, but I think like compared to other conferences, the Big Ten is, it seems like putting in safer measures. Oh, um, yeah, I, without st question. I still don't, it's still like something where you're like, I, I don't know, but well, the fact that they just sit out 21 days and that they're going through all this uh, cardiac testing and all these things, like you're not seeing something where someone tests positive on Monday and then is back to playing Wednesday because there can be false positives. There can be false negatives. And, and I think the while this is going to affect some teams negatively, I think it's better to put the health of student athletes, you know, first. Like we all know there's going to be an asterisk next to the season. It's, it's not a normal year. And I don't think you can kind of count any team's record that seriously against who they are as a team this year just because of these circumstances and how this could play a factor. Well, I think that with these Big Ten rules, regulations, protocols, whatever you want to call it, I think it's more so not to stop them from getting COVID, but stopping the spread of it and how easy that can be spread between players on a team. Exactly. That's why they're trying to get rapid tests that detect it before it's contagious. Um, which, and they're the only conference right now doing daily testing as well. Exactly. So once they have, obviously they have those in place now. So once they were able to get those in place, the spread isn't going to be that bad. But you might see a few guys like Mertz, backup quarterback, Chase Wolf, maybe different players around the league that are going to get it. But it's never going to be a whole team that has to sit out sort of like the, there were teams. in. And, and there's lines baseball. also for like – once it gets to a certain percentage, I think it's 5%. Yeah. If it gets more than 5% of your team, then, you know, you guys aren't playing for a certain period of time. Right. But I don't think it'll ever reach that like it did in Major League Baseball, for example. The Cardinals were one team that had almost half their players test positive. I don't and see it happening at Maryland. 
But I mean, I don't know how these other Big Ten programs, like how strict they are of different things. I just don't think, I think, I mean, I think with the protocols that the Big Ten has, it's, it's driven to stop the spread of it from guys within each program. So you might see certain individuals get it, but I don't think it'll ever be a full program that gets it just because of how early they're testing Mm -hmm. and how quickly they get that. Oh yeah. I wasn't saying they would. Yeah. So I'm just saying of who tests positive to begin with, but I think, I think having this is almost like a warning or like reality check to maybe some other big 10 players. Um, You know, I'm not saying that they're not taking it seriously, but I feel like you take it to an even like stricter serious level of like, I'm really not leaving my apartment or, or like doing this or that because you basically just saw a team that was being talked about as the Big Ten West contender to now really having that at risk because they're going to be three games with their four-string quarterback. Yep. I mean, yeah, it's so unprecedented, like you said. Um, just And we're going to be covering a game like in a – Limited capacity press box this year, masks on. Like, it's, it's so strange, but it's 2020. Yeah. Everything is different about this season. And I, I like the idea of having to get two tests, one to confirm the positive result. I think that's important just so they actually – you don't have a player sitting out 21 days if it was a false positive. Um, so th- I think that's – important i honestly thought that mertz was going to come back negative on the second test just because of i don't know i guess i was more optimistic well there have been a lot of false positives yeah but yeah i guess i was more optimistic but it's it's so tough after a game like that one of the best games of any freshman quarterback pretty much ever um and then he goes down with covid it it's just it's unfortunate and missing 21 days in an eight week season or nine week season rather is even more unfortunate. Right. And you know, another team that is in the big 10, the big 10 East uh, actually is Penn state. Uh, and, and they don't even have an option for this player returning. So they're running back uh, who's arguably their best running back at the moment. Uh, Noah Kane. Uh, head coach James Franklin reported on Tuesday that he is going to be out for the rest of the season with a leg injury. And going into the season, they were without top running back Journey Brown, um, who was out with an undeclosed medical uh, condition and will be out. So now, you know, they're without their two best running backs. Yeah, it's again, the injuries in a shortened season are going to play you as well because Injuries that you could be out four to six or four to eight weeks, whatever, that could turn into the whole season. Whereas in a 12-week season, a normal season, that you'd, you'd come back from that and still have a chance to do something on the field. But a leg injury that – I don't know the severity of it, but even if that – there's a chance that could be a six- to eight-week injury. And no, that, but he's out for the season. Yeah, well, that turns into the whole season. Yeah. <laughs> there's eight games. That's, that's my point. But oh, okay. um, I think it's it just, it's, it's unfortunate for everything here with COVID injuries that are going to keep you out longer because of the shortened season. It's, it, it, there's just no way around it. Yeah. I mean, and that'll be interesting when Maryland plays Penn state next week. I, I think it's also just interesting. Like, you know, you, everyone was joking about like, 
Sunbelt madness and Big 12 madness and like all the crazy stuff that's going on in the SEC and even looking at week one around the Big 10 like you have Rutgers like beating Michigan State I think both those teams are pretty bad and Michigan State has lost a ridiculous amount of talent and has a new coach so I don't really know like what the case is there I don't think Ever is great but I mean you saw just some flips around the league you had Indiana beat Penn State like I just don't think you're gonna have a normal season I mean I think it's fun to have those results where it's not just the same thing over and over you know like people were freaking out because when's the last time Indiana beat Penn State right like you have those dominant powers um, in the conference and maybe that gets shaken up this season because the Big Ten West anything can usually happen but maybe the Big Ten East doesn't look like it normally does you know you know that Ohio State's going to be the best team but I mean who knows about the rest yeah, I mean, you have Michigan and Penn State right behind them. Penn State already lost, and again, an eight-game season, they or eight-game regular season, there's only seven more tries. And, they have and they've, they've lost a lot. They have to go up against Ohio State and Michigan also. So that could be already three losses for them. Yeah, they, um, they lost some of their best defensive players. Like, Yeah, so I think it's – Again, it's just so unfortunate how short the season is because these injuries and COVID stuff and literally everything impacts it so much more to a greater level. Because I mean, you're, you're not going to have a good situation no matter what. Um, and I just want, you know, people's health to be put first. And so I'm glad the Big Ten has the rules they do. And, you know, I guess we'll see what, what happens. But I definitely think you're in store for a not normal season. I mean, it's not that like Penn State is like suddenly bad. It's they've lost like some of their best defensive players. You know, a lot of them opted out for the draft. They're without journey Brown. Like, you know, there's all these different underlying factors that I don't think you're going to see a lot of the same thing you've been seeing. And I don't know, I could be completely wrong, but I think it could be a bit of a weird season. I mean, I think it already is a weird. I mean, yeah, I meant more in terms of like game results, but, but yes. Yeah. No. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you already saw it. Like we said a few seconds ago, Penn State, Indiana. So what could happen when a team like – I mean, Rutgers looked really good. So what – I mean okay, – or I think it's just Michigan but, State is really bad this year. Right. But, what you know, based, based on what you're saying, you know, Maryland might take Ohio State back to OT or something. Oh, no, that's not happening. The Ohio State team is too good. I hope you're joking. <laughs> <laughs> you never know it this season. No, not with this Ohio State team. So Maryland will look to play now Minnesota this Friday night. So that's why we're doing the weekly podcast a couple of days early this week. But Yeah, and it actually is going to come out Wednesday. So it should be Wednesday when you're listening to this, I believe. Happy Wednesday. <laughs> Friday night game under the lights in College Park for the second straight year, this time against Minnesota. We all know what happened against Penn State last year under the lights on Friday night. I don't think it'll be that result this time for Maryland, but – Last time Minnesota came into College Park, Maryland blew the doors off of them. They were a completely different team then. Last year they played in Minnesota. Minnesota won 52-10. to 10, And that's more of the team that they are again this year. They've uh, lost that. tremendous players from that defense. I'm saying more in – It's the same in offense. Terms, in terms of the team that they were two years ago to last year and then to now, oh, okay. they're more similar in terms of how dominant they're going to be. Um, they were ranked. They lost to Michigan. Now they fell out unranked, but they will be ranked again at some point this season. They're a really good team, really good offense. And I think that 
Maryland's defense is going to have to tackle a lot better. And with that being said, you know, what, what do you think that Maryland has to do to kind of limit any bruising against Minnesota? So I'm not sure if I agree with you. I don't, I don't think they're going to be an incredible team. I don't even know if I see them finishing first in West. I think that they had everything aligned for them last year, but when you look at how many uh, defensive players that are lo- they lost, and you already had mid- – let's, let's not forget that, like, Michigan going into this year was not going to be as good. And this defense gave up this many points to a completely new quarterback – an off like just a team that isn't considered to have the talent that it has had in recent years and you look at minnesota's defense right and they've lost two of their top three running backs from last season in rodney smith and shannon brooks on their defense they lost eight key defensive players including four nfl draft picks you know that includes guys like star safety antoine uh winfield jr uh, you lose two of your best linebackers um, who were, you know, consistently at that spot for two years in Kamal Martin and Thomas Barber. You lose three of your best linemen. You've got seven new starters. Like, it's a very new defense. And I think, like Maryland, like, that's going to take time to figure out. Um, they also did not have a great defensive performance um, in week one, and I don't doubt their offense. Um, and I think there's a lot of similarities between a team like Maryland and Minnesota. Minnesota's obviously way further along in their development of the program, not in that regard, but in regard of their team makeup this year, of having a pretty new-look team. Obviously, Maryland is a lot different, but at least defensively, um, and, and kind of having to find that new mesh. Oh, I think that the skill set on offense is so much further along as well on Minnesota's team. I mean, you just look right, at I'm just the, saying in terms of situations this year, like especially defensively. Yeah, but just looking at their wide receiver, Rashad Bateman, he's going to be a first-round pick. He opted out and then came back in, so he's back. Um, he had nine catches for 101 yards against Michigan. Now has over 2,000 career receiving yards, so we know what he can do. He's a phenomenal player, one of the best receivers in the country. That's going to be tough for Maryland secondary to figure out especially with the amount of holes that they left against uh, Northwestern in the defense. They have to figure out how to limit that and close that against a guy like Bateman, who Northwestern does not have a player that good. I mean, yeah, the thing is with Minnesota's offense, you, you have Bateman and then you have Mohamed Ibrahim, the running back. And even if you just look at the numbers they had in week one, right, you have Ibrahim with 140 rushing yards, two touchdowns, um, Rashad Bateman has nine receptions for 101 yards and, and Locks talked about this this week where it's really an RPO offense where they really can go either way on any play um, and they have that balance in terms of there's a very clear best wide receiver there's a very clear best running back and those are two real weapons for them and so I don't have any doubts really about their offense the only thing that I thought was I kind of didn't expect and I think maybe it's just because Michigan has a way better defense in their offense but they went six for 14 on third downs, but regardless, they are four for five on red zone possessions, um, which is huge and something that will be really big for Maryland to stop is, you know, having that good red zone defense because they allowed so many touchdowns last week um, and just didn't get off the field. Yeah. And I think with this, with this running back and Mohamed Ibrahim, Ace talked about it during the week, he went to high school with him. They were teammates. 
So yeah, he was on good counsel, which feeds into Maryland a lot. Yeah, that could be a potential advantage for Maryland's defense because Eli knows exactly what's what kind of skill set he has. He knows pretty much everything about Ibrahim and how he's going to play. Um, so that's sort of a, more of an advantage that they had than when they went into Northwestern with pretty much no film and no idea what the offense was going to bring. Now you know saw them in week one, you saw them last year, you saw them the last five seasons. Obviously things have changed from then until now, but just having that familiarity can help, especially with how much leadership role Ace has now, just translating that to the linebackers, to the rest of the defense. I think that can help a lot, just having that familiarity. Yeah, I mean, I'm still kind of worried about how the defense is going to perform, but I do think that definitely helps. Um, that adds kind of a little extra motivation too. Um, so I think that will definitely be interesting to see. I mean, you have a bunch of different guys that had played at uh, good counsel. Um, you had Keandre Jones played with them both as well. But I, I just think it's going to get interesting in terms of Minnesota's defense and what Maryland can do offensively. Because like we said, we, we don't really question their offense. But um, you look at how they performed against a Michigan team that – has a good defense, but they're not really considered to have a great offense this year. Um, and many were questioning, like, how good they were actually going to be this year. And so, you know, their defense only made them punt once in the entire game, and that was in uh, the first quarter. And, um, yeah, I'm, you just kind of look at so many pieces have been lost. I mean, you allow that, they average an average 8.6 yards per play, 49 points. And so I think that's going to be – I think it's really going to be kind of a shootout type of contest. I, I kind of hope it is not from any fan standpoint, but just watching these games, covering this team, you want them to score. You want Maryland to score on offense. I just think these are two good offenses, but two not two defenses that really need to develop and mesh right. more. Yeah. I mean, I think Maryland's offense is on the cusp of being able to. Right. They're not there yet. Like they're not well, there think, yet, but they think, have that potential. And I think this week could help that um, based on how many guys Minnesota's lost on defense. And, again, we know what their offense is going to bring. They're going to score a lot. They scored 52 points last year. and Obviously, like, that would not be ideal again. <laughs> and Bateman didn't, even, Bateman didn't even play that well in that game. He only had three catches for 39 yards and a touchdown. Well, they um, really distributed, like, widely yeah, long. Their wide receivers. That they didn't strange. even rely – they didn't even rely on him that much, and they still put up 52 points, which kind of shows what their offense can do um, pretty much any game, and especially against a struggling defense like Maryland. So Maryland's going to have to fix their problems from week one, um, maybe a change of scenery, you know, no travel for the first time. And what was that, the first time they traveled in almost a year when they went to Northwestern? Yeah. And it's a lot of guys, you know, first time ever traveling for yeah, like a college game. Exactly. I mean, that can hinder a lot of your play and impact a lot of your play. So it's a short week, but they came back from Northwestern and started practicing that uh, last Sunday when they came back. So they moved everything up a day for their short week with a Friday game. Uh, I think staying at home in College Park, playing on this new turf that they have, it, it, it could help them a lot just not having to travel and sort of being normal to what it was the last couple of weeks when they've just been here practicing in camp and things like that. Um, yeah. But, 
yeah, I think Minnesota's offense being able to distribute that much, it's going to put a lot of a lot of hard tasks on Maryland's defense, and they're going to have to step up and figure out ways to limit those holes, tackle better. And I think this could be a good game for Leah at quarterback, a bounce-back game. Yeah, I was going to ask you, like, what do you think of the offense? Because I feel like with me, it's like you see the talent there. And I feel like, I don't know, maybe going to season, I, I didn't kind of factor in as much how it's going to mesh, just kind of, you know, realizing that development of it. I think there is so much potential there with the talent on that team. And I mean, I don't expect Leah having a game like that again. It, it definitely was not ideal. And, you know, this isn't going to immediately be an amazing offense right away, but they looked very promising on that first drive. Yeah. I, yeah. I said that on earlier. the scripted plays. They, yeah, they knew exactly what they were going to come out with. And then everything kind of got sort of the mindset of playing from behind, trying to make that big play. So if they can – I mean, I don't know how well their defense is going to stop Minnesota's offense in this game, but if their offense can just not have that mindset of if they get behind early, trying to make that one play, because one play is not going to change the game. It's just not, and that's not how this game works. You have to have good drives, several drives in a row, to try and chip away at a lead um, or at a deficit. but. I think their their offense has the skill there. I think Leah is going to be a really, really good quarterback once it's all figured out and the nerves are gone and he's young. He's still a sophomore. It was his first career start. Didn't start and for Kim well. Yeah. And just the throws that they, – they, he overthrew a couple of receivers. That could be fixed timing-wise, things like that, just learning the speed of guys. And he's used to what? He's used to Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs. I mean, those are two guys he was with at Alabama last year. And I know that he didn't get so many looks in games and things like that. But in practice, you're throwing to guys that were first-round picks in the NFL. Now you're throwing a, a little bit slower of an offense than Alabama's is. Because Alabama's, I mean, it's a top-two team in the country. Every right, he's day. used to his brother throwing those insanely long passes, you know? Exactly. I mean, even him in practice throwing to Judy and, right. and Ruggs. And Ruggs is the fastest player in the draft this year. So he's used to that speed, which is why that can mean he overthrew Dante Demas a little bit, Jay Sean Jones, who are really good receivers, but they're not first-round talent. Well, um, again, it's also like that pressure, you know, of just yeah, like feeling exactly. you have to make that big play and – I mean, just from the tape I've seen on him previously, from everything I've heard, like it's a big deal to be in the Elite 11. There aren't many quarterbacks who have been in the Elite 11 that haven't panned out. There are very, very few. He has an extremely strong arm. I think, you know, if you, like you said, if they get that timing down, it can work. His footwork in the pocket was really good. I haven't seen a Maryland quarterback have footwork look that good in a very long time. The way he was able to create space for himself in the pocket and just maneuver. Um, you know, he definitely got some passes off where he didn't turn and set, and set his foot the right way because he was kind of just trying too much to pull, I don't know, like a Patrick Mahomes side thing, and he wasn't really um, setting himself as much. But he, he did move well in the pocket and was able to escape. He was able to find his own um, – space to throw and I think that's a really positive sign that I can't remember seeing a Maryland quarterback look like that in a while you know you kind of had guys scramble and get um easily tackled but I haven't seen a guy move like that in the pocket in a very long time for Maryland football yeah I think his vision is a lot better than Josh Jackson's it's just the decision making was not great in the first game and that has so many different factors going into it 
But this week, that can be changed with how much talent Minnesota has lost on defense. And I'm, I was going to get to this before, but I'm impressed with how well Jay Sean Jones came back and led the team in receiving. He said he didn't even realize he led the team in receiving, um, which kind of shows the mindset is bigger than themselves, which is really good with a team like this. They want to win. They don't want to just lead the team in receiving or rushing yards or whatever and touchdowns. It doesn't matter. They want to win. So I think that's a great mindset. And guys coming back from injury, Jake Funk and Jay Sean Jones, they really impressed me, not so much in terms of yardage, but just how they were able to create space, get open, things like that. Um, Maryland's offense didn't do pretty much anything in the game against Northwestern, but I think that you could see some different playmakers here against Minnesota, even maybe Rakeem Jarrett breaking out a little bit, just having a big play because we saw Leah likes to throw that deep ball. Um, if that deep ball is thrown in a one-on-one coverage, it's different when Maryland's receivers are 6'3", 6'2", whatever. But when you're throwing to double and triple coverage, that's just a bad decision to make, especially early on in downs. Um, so they're just going to have to clean that up. And I think that they're going to put up a decent amount of points and could potentially stay in this game until late. Yeah, I mean, I think like I was a bit worried about Jake Funk coming back just because he's had such an injury filled history. Whereas when you look at um, a guy like uh, Jay Sean Jones, like this was his first major injury. You know, you had Jake deal with some stuff in high school, uh, to my recollection. Um, you had this was his second in two years, which is like it's one thing to have ACL tears like a certain amount of time apart, but this is literally one after the other. Like as soon as he started getting back into it, he got injured again. So I didn't expect that. And that was really great to see because that's just a guy that you're, you know, you just want to see be successful just as someone who's covered him for as long as, you know, I have and seen what he's been through and just kind of the guy he's been for his team who they call, you know, coach funk. And then, you know, with Jay Sean, just, you saw the talent he had that freshman season, especially in that Texas game. And I know kind of just talking with his mom, talking with him, the work he put in the summer and, he was even saying after the game that like, or sorry, when we talked to him on Monday, like he, someone said like, you know, you love a team reception and, and he didn't really care because, you know, they didn't perform the way he wanted to. He didn't get the yardage after the catch, but he wanted to. And um, he's just a guy that's going to work and work and work. And that really does have NFL potential. Yeah. And I think it's a great story that he came back from this ACL tear when no, nobody knows how people, how players are going to respond to that, especially young guys in college after such a good freshman season, tears it right before his sophomore year, red shirts the year. So now coming back, he has a chance to do a lot of great things for this offense. And he's got this and two more years left. So we'll see what happens. But I think this week could be a great test for Maryland's offense going up against a – I don't know. I guess depleted is the word. Depleted Minnesota defense, just because of how I mean, much yeah, it's, it's not. It's just not the same defense they had a right. year ago. I mean, they lost eight key players and a ton of NFL guys. So I think it's a big test for Maryland's offense to see how they attack that um, and go up against that. And are, if they're able to succeed against that, it'll kind of show us what we might see the rest of the year. 
Yeah, it's definitely going to be very interesting to see what happens with this game because I, I think, you know, Maryland, are they're 20-point underdogs, maybe even more than that at this point. But I see this being a close game just because of the defensive holes in each of these teams and, and the offensive potential in these teams. And I think it's, Maryland's just going to really have to battle and fight if they want to stay in this one. But I think that's the possibility. Yeah. So, so with that, I mean, I guess we'll kind of wrap it up. What, what are your projections? I feel like mine maybe are a bit too optimistic, but we'll see. Well, I was extremely wrong against Northwestern. That was one of my Maryland yeah. wins. Um, I've had this game marked ever since the new schedule came out as a Maryland loss. I'm going to stick with that just because of how good Minnesota's offense is to me. Uh, I think – I'm going to say 35-17. I think Maryland gets two touchdowns. Joseph Petrino puts one in, a field goal. And I'll take a uh, Jayshon Jones touchdown and Rakim Jarrett touchdown. And I think Leah will throw zero interceptions in this game. Uh, I think he'll All clean right. it up a lot. And that's my prediction. So, <laughs> so I don't know. This might be a little optimistic, but I think just with – the offense of both of these teams, maybe it could happen. It's really going to come down to defenses in this game and who can kind of step up to get a few key stops. But I honestly could see this game going very late uh, in the fourth quarter or kind of in the overtime. Like, and I know that kind of sounds crazy because it's a 24 underdog, but I think you could have this game at least be in within one score late um, or, or 10 points late. I think Minnesota is ultimately going to end up winning, but I think Maryland can keep this game a lot closer than people are, are expecting. Yeah, and I think that all starts with their offense. It, it's going to be whether Leah can fix his, his issues that he had week one, and then on defense, it's whether they can tackle a little bit better. And I also think it'd be interesting, like Loxley has talked about using both quarterbacks in some way. Like he didn't use Lance till later in the game, but he's talked about you know, running some special packages. And I think that against a much less experienced Minnesota offense compared Minnesota defense compared to, you know, the really established defense uh, they faced against Northwestern. I'm really interested to see if, you know, he does any special quarterback pass packages. Cause I think that it's something that could really be an asset for his team. I kind of hope he does. Um, especially in the game where Maryland was trailing pretty much the whole time against Northwestern. I thought we were going to see a lot more of Lance. And we didn't until pretty much the last drive. So that being said. I want them both in at once. Yeah. I want him to run something special for both in at once. That that is what I want to see on on Friday night. You could have Leah go and run a route and maybe Lance takes a while. I see it more of a way around. I don't know. More of a runner. I mean, I think with Lance taking the snap, that gives him two options to run or pass, which will throw the defense off more. But – who knows? I think it's, it's, it's a cool thing that they have two quarterbacks that are capable of playing at any point. I think that's important. Right. So, or just throw Lance in if you want to change up the tempo a bit, you know? Yeah. Like, I feel like that could really throw an opponent off if you just kind of throw him in for like a play or two for, you know, a few plays, just kind of like switch things up and throw the defense off guard. Exactly. But, I, I think that's but important. we will see. It is going to be a very weird game covering. No food in the press box. We got masks. We're all separated. It's going to be interesting. 
No there. fans. There should be some cardboard cutouts in the stands, I believe. <laughs> Hopefully they'll pump so, in some crowd noise or something to make it sort I'm of. I'm not a big fan of the crowd noise. I'm, I've got to be honest. Yeah, but you can't play a football game in silence. That's true. I just don't like how artificial some of them sound. I like it better than having nothing. That, that's fair. I mean, we're not going to be able to hear it regardless. <laughs> True. All right. Well, thank you everyone so much for joining us. We'll have all of your coverage leading up to the game and on game day and throughout the season at Testudo Times.